When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Well, Kieran, the Premier League season is over. Palace finished above Brighton, but we both finished below Newcastle. I don't know I don't know why, because they're a massive club, but that, that just made me feel a bit grubby. I don't know. Possibly, maybe because of the extra £2 million that Mike Ashley trousers for climbing up a place in the league. That just didn't feel right, Kieran, did it? Well, certainly, you know, I've had contact with some Newcastle fans, and they're almost apologetic. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to be fair play, Steve Bruce, that they did play well in, in the last few mm. games of the season, picked up a lot of points, and uh, and Willock's been superb for them. So we're almost having a football conversation here, but uh, yeah. Um, well, yeah. let's, let's let's make it a money conversation by saying we can almost certainly guarantee that Mike Ashley won't cough up enough money to buy Joe Woodock. That's <laughs> basically. Um, later in this episode, we will hear, finally, at last, from the owner of League One side, Accrington Stanley, Andy Holt. And boy, boy, will we be hearing from him. Um, in, in the unlikely event that Gary Neville is listening to this, he might like to prepare an ice pack because his ears will be burning. Right. Um, But before that, of course, it's our Thursday edition, which means it's news day. And the big news is no Derby County. Yeah, not not a dicky bird about it. Not a dicky bird, although we we still have 55 minutes to go, so you never know. But um, we're not live, so it would be a miracle if suddenly (laughs) halfway through. (laughs) Um, First story, Kieran. The Premier League wants digital COVID passports to be introduced to ensure that Stadia are full next season. How many more times do I have to tell the Premier League, Kieran, a lot of older fans don't have smartphones? Yes, uh, I, I think this is a, an element of uh, assumption on, on behalf of the, the Premier League. Uh, and, and also, uh, it, it, it assumes that the Wi-Fi quality uh, around football grounds is uh, of a sufficient yeah, of course. Uh, high level to, to allow this to work uh, efficiently. So, uh, the, the, the Premier League uh, it generates just short of seven hundred million pounds a year from ticket sales, so mm. it, it is a significant source of revenue. If you if you put that into context over the the fifteen months that we've had of lost football, uh, you know we're we're broadly looking at a, at a billion pounds of of lost revenue, which of course uh, the Premier League and, and also of course clubs in the EFL and the National League are are desperate to to uh, reduce those those losses. So this is this is one of the suggestions um 
And, and we are seeing a lot of clubs moving to digital season tickets um, and combining this potentially with some form of uh, health update in terms of your last COVID test or that you've had both um, both jabs. Um, so th- this is this is the proposal. Uh, the the Premier League wants to get the government on board because at present there are restrictions, as, as we'll be shortly discussing, in terms of the maximum number of people that can attend matches. Um, wow. And uh, there's there's an, a slight element of Big Brother that I feel a bit uncomfortable about because mm. if they do combine this with season tickets, is this a a, a, a backdoor way of uh, trying to address uh, issues of you know, you know what happens if I can't make a match and you know my yeah, neighbour yeah. who's a Brighton fan wants to go and, <laughs> uh, and I'm ill you know, it, it, and, and you know, some people will say well that's touting and I don't really think it is of touting and and certainly you know, I've, I've openly admitted I've got I've, I've got associates yeah. uh, back back in Manchester uh, who have access to up to eighty. Uh, tickets for an individual match and uh you know that 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 benefits the club as well because the the, the tickets to who these people end up they tend to go into the <coughs> mega store and spend a fortune um but uh it, it will uh it, it will certainly tighten up the uh the ability of football clubs and potentially other institutions government mm. and government uh, bodies to uh identify where people are at a particular point in time I think um, a lot of clubs, I know Palace included, have more or less given up on trying to police people giving their season ticket away if they can't make a midweek match. Because it's, I mean, technically, what you're supposed to do is phone up the club and say, I can't go to the game, please resell my seat. Whereas you go, hang on a second, I bought this seat, it's mine for the season, I'll decide who sits in it, not you. Um, but good news, though, Kieran, in terms of getting people back, the results announced yesterday. Of the 54,000 people who attended test events, so cup final, snooker, etc., only 14, I think, tested positive. So that's more encouraging news that they will be looking to open things up and we'll keep our fingers crossed for that. But in the meantime, um, Lincoln City Chief Executive Liam Scully has vehemently expressed a disappointment that only 4,000 Lincoln fans will be able to go to the playoff final this weekend. Yeah, and, and Liam is really one of the, the good guys in yes, football. I've had, you know, we've had him on the show. Uh, I've had discussions with uh, Lincoln. I was invited to attend a, a board meeting, uh, a, a fans board meeting. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a club which I think really does set out the, the way ahead uh, in terms of fan engagement, transparency, governance, communication. And yes, this is reflected. Well, sorry to interrupt you, Kieran, but I have to say uh, it has been noted that you were invited to a board meeting. <laughs> Very much. They seem to only have one spare seat left in that board meeting because apparently <laughs> they could only fit you in, the financial expert, for some reason. I don't know. Uh, I would have I would have happily walked around Lincoln Cathedral for a, for an hour while you did the meeting, but no, that wasn't an option either. But there you are. <laughs> Um, and also, Lincoln, they, they came. I think they came top of the the fan engagement index. Yes. Um, and you know, good, 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 good karma comes round uh, in general. Um, and certainly, the, the uptake in, in terms of season ticket sales has been really positive as well. But um, Lincoln uh, are playing at Wembley um, in uh, the the League One playoff final. It's it's going to be an amazing event. It's going to be really exciting. It's going to be really mm. tense. Um, for for both teams involved, of course, 
Um, but the the government rules are that uh, unless it is a pilot event, and remember the FA Cup final yeah. was a pilot event, yeah. the maximum capacity is the lower of 10,000 or 25% of yeah. the available seats. So therefore, it's going to be 10,000 people to uh, can attend. Um, so therefore, you think, well, that's 5,000 Per, per club, Lincoln have got. I think, think they've got four thousand three hundred season ticket holders. So um, yeah, every, every season ticket holder would be able to attend. And then ah, it's it down to less than four thousand per yeah. team because two thousand seats are going to the suits. Um, and to, to be fair to Liam, he's he's put a a very long and detailed explanation. Um, you know, explaining that you know, like it or loathe it, the the sponsors do contribute towards the game financially um and therefore the uh you know those people the the EFL uh, big cheeses as well are entitled to attend um but you know under normal circumstances you'd expect you know, 30,000 people from Lincoln probably yeah. best part of 30,000 <clears> people <throat> from Blackpool as well to attend and it, and it you can understand the frustration of fans who uh, you know, a, 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 a days at Wembley for teams such as Lincoln, and, and also let's be honest, for, for teams like Brighton and Palace are uh, big days out. Absolutely, crikey! Yeah, um, and to uh, not be able to attend when you, you don't know when the next time it's going to be is 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 very sad. But uh, you know, Link, Lincoln have given sort of a you know, it's, it's going to be a it's, it's going to be an open ballot. Uh, four season ticket holders, uh, because if you think about what's happened over the course of the last twelve months, people haven't been able to attend. Uh, so everybody's given an equal chance, uh, and, and that does appear to be pretty democratic to me. Yeah, of course, it was further complicated this week by Wembley being in the borough of Hounslow, which was one of the eight places put on the only visit if necessary uh, list, which the government denies they ever published on their website, and they're now saying, uh, <clears throat> well, now changing and saying really only non-essential journeys so that's that's an odd one as well that would put some people off I guess but you'd like to think wouldn't you that the sponsors could would do themselves a huge imagine the PR involved Mm. if the sponsors were to say look we don't need this many seats or if the EFL were to say look some of these suits don't need this you can have an extra 500 seats so all your fans can get it won't happen but what a brilliant PR boost that would be so your heart bleeds for the those Lincoln fans that won't be able to get there. Because it's, as you say, good things come round. They're in the National League only three, four seasons ago. Now they yep. could be in the Championship, yep. which is remarkable, really. Still not a fan of the air raid siren, I have to say. But apart from that, um, we wish them well. We wish Blackpool well, of course, both big traditional teams. Now, Kieran, what guy has written next will confuse you. Really? Because, yes, yeah, I know. It rarely happens. Guy rarely has the mental capacity to confuse either of us, basically. Except <laughs> uh, when it comes to hiding money offshore or behind the couch. Um, the, but this will confuse you, Kieran, because you started the next story with interesting financial fact. And I know that you think all financial facts <laughs> are interesting. And asking oh, you, to, which, Kieran, asking you to rate financial facts on a on a scale of interesting will be like Sophie's <laughs> Choice for you, basically. Um, but but this is this is quite interesting, to be fair. The Champions League final this weekend, um, arguably the second biggest game in football history after the World Cup final. But the Champions League final will take place between the two clubs who have made the biggest losses in the history of the Premier League. 
Yes. Uh, you know, for, for those people who are thinking that as a result of Project Big Picture and the Super League both being given a resounding raspberry by by football fans, and, and perhaps we are returning to um, a, a more romantic uh, view of the game. Um, I've, I've been crunching uh, a few numbers in, in my spreadsheet. I know, I know you think people say, well, it's unusual for me, of course. Um, and between them, Chelsea and Manchester City have lost uh, £1.5 billion, £1,500 million pounds, uh, since the inception of, of the Premier League. They're, they're the two biggest loss makers, um, but by some distance. They're, you know, they're, they're more than 50% higher, both of them, than, than the next highest loss maker. And then when you take a look at what have we got as far as the four clubs who have qualified for the Champions League are concerned... Well, it just so happens that they happen to be the biggest wage payers in football. So, um, y- yes, it's. I think we, you know, that, that it, some of the fan fan sort of organised issues and, and rejections of the proposals have been good, but let's not be naive. Football is is very much these days being dictated to by the ability to pay, by the ability to absorb losses. Um, at the top tier. Uh, now, that's not always the same as, as you drop uh, through the divisions, or, although ultimately um, m- money tends to talk all the way through. So um, it's, you know, I, I was just, you know, I, I, had a, I had a spare moment when I when I didn't know what to do with myself. So I put the numbers together and and Manchester City and Chelsea are way, way ahead of mm. the other, other spenders. Uh, talking of spreadsheets, Kieran, um, I'm hoping to see you this weekend because you're you and the Baroness are coming to uh, an entertainment piece that I've directed at a festival near you. And can I just point out, Kieran, that in general, performers don't take it well if one of the audience gets a spreadsheet out halfway through the first half. <laughs> uh, so if it's not to your taste, could you perhaps do some mental arithmetic or think about, think about something else? Just don't get a spreadsheet out. Not I even promise. not even not even during the interval. No no spreadsheets or touching. Oh no, no. In the interval you can get a MIVI, don't you? It is last time I went to the theatre. A MIVI. <laughs> That's gonna to lead what? to a frenzy of Googling from our younger listeners. That's what <laughs> I got you? in Moscow. <laughs> I'm going to have to put that into Google Translate now. Maybe. <laughs> um, National League clubs are voting today, open brackets, Wednesday, close brackets, guys, thoughtfully added, um, <laughs> on whether they have confidence in the league board. Um, I would thoughtfully add that we could perhaps leave this story until Sunday after the vote has taken place. But nevertheless, we've raised it. It is happening today. What's your instinct as to what will happen? Well, um, we have seen some correspondence between the National League and some of the clubs, um, and I think it's fairly fair to say that it's uh, it's testy. I think was the word mm. I would use. Um, but it, it's just the, re- the reason why I thought it might be useful just to uh, have a chat about it today, and I appreciate the meeting is taking place later. Is the proposers for the no confidence vote uh, in the National League? <laughs> have four minutes in which to put forward their case, which, uh, you know, if, if this was a legal case, uh, you, you can imagine the lawyers would be fainting. Exactly. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and also the, the National League itself has, the National League board has 
four minutes in which to defend itself against the accusations. And then if individual club representatives want to talk, they've got a maximum of two minutes in which to put forward their case. So, um, yeah, I, I, I know we're all getting older, and, and the need to go for a wee is is quite pressing um, amongst amongst blokes of our age. But uh, it, it does. It, if, if it's a serious debate, mm. then sh- surely you know, they should be allowed uh, a, a wee bit more time. Um, and after <coughs> the uh, after both sides have spoken, the the National League North and the National League South then go into a private meeting where they will determine their judgment because they have four votes each. Now, looking at the constitution of the National League, it does seem, I think it's fair to say, a bit blurry as to how these votes uh, will be allocated. So um, is it a bit like the old trade union days whereby um, if a trade union uh, decided to vote for X, then that would constitute X hundred thousand votes uh, at a at a Labour Party conference, um, or is it going to be done on a pro rata basis? That appears to be the view of the National League board, but um, from what I've seen, um, looking at uh, looking at emails flying left, right, and centre, uh, it, it it does it. it Every, everything seems a bit uncertain, uh, mm. and it's, I don't think it reflects well uh, on on having a constitution which uh, which isn't watertight. And, and I know, you know areas such as governance are not exciting. Uh, you know, it's not the reason why we fall in love with football. But at times like this, having uh, weak governance, and certainly this is one of the issues that that Andy Holt has raised when, when yeah. we have our when we have our interview <clears throat> later, um, is. It is an area which which can can be very problematical later down the line. Well, it also illustrates, uh, in my experience, a degree of um, complacency, perhaps, or arrogance, perhaps, when you you come up with a situation, you think, well, that will never happen. Uh, no mm. one's ever going to ask for an extraordinary general meeting to ask the board to step down, so let's not have a procedure for it. Um, Sutton United, Kieran, now they've been promoted, will they still be involved in this process? Do you know that I'm not? I'm not certainly in, in theory. I'm not, I'm, I think they still are a member of the National League right. because we've not yet fully finished the season. Ah, okay. um, that's interesting. Because you know they 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 will not get their their golden share of the EFL until I suspect that the EFL playoffs have ah, been of course, completed. Of course, indeed. Um, yes. And yeah. where are we up to as far as I, I know that that yeah it, it was was very exciting. And I I think I, I played at Sutton United in, in a friendly about thirty years ago. So uh, it, it is a it is a good one, although. Yeah, equally, I'm, I'm quite fond of Hartlepool because, as I said before, that's where uh, myself and Baroness had our first ever date. Yes, I know. I believe there's a statue planned after after they've done the Wigan administrator statue. <laughs> anything, anything left over will be known to you. Uh, it's, it's very good news. Um, Sutton United, very much my neck of the woods, so that's very good news. But we're going to have a chat on Sunday about how it affects their finances because it's mm. not necessarily... Um, in a good way for the first couple of seasons, anyway. Yeah, uh, and if there are um, League what, League Two fans listening to this, by the way, make sure you get off at the right Sutton Station because the Sutton Station in the middle of town is miles away from the actual ground. Now, court documents, Kieran, new court documents have revealed. 
what's been going on at Football Index. It went a bit quiet on this story, but it's still a massive story, and rightly so. Um, uh, went into administration a few weeks ago, caused a lot of people a lot of financial harm. But we have a bit more insight into what went on this week. Yes, um, and there's been some really good articles um, uh, in, in The Athletic and in other uh, publications as well. People have gone into this in, in some detail. Um, I think it's fair to say what we have seen uh, uh, appear in court doesn't reflect particularly well on some of the senior people at Football Index. Um, there is a guy called Neil Kelly, who is one of the directors of the Jersey-based company, which is in charge of Football Index. And uh, he said that uh, that uh, Football Index was marketed as a stock market as a single word, as opposed to stock market as two separate words, no. as a deliberate misspelling to ensure that people understood that this was a gambling uh, setup rather than an investment. And I'm going, well, wow. well, exactly. Um, so yeah, that was that was one of the issues. Um, some of the other documents that have been uh, have been laid before court um, suggest that uh, Football Index was having uh, discussions with Begbies, who, uh, as we we have spoken about on a regular basis with regards to Wigan uh, as the administrators there, uh, as early as the fifteenth of February, with regards to some form of corporate stresses really um but then three days later mike bohan who's sort of the big cheese at football index he went on to youtube and he put out a really positive message as to how well things were um, and the club went and minted some extra shares in players which people went and bought um so it, it just it doesn't reflect too well. I mean, the the total value of the shares I think was was one hundred and twenty four million pounds that were being held by uh, by people that had bought into Football Index. Um, they are going to get at, at best a very very small fraction of that money. It does look as if the people who had cash balances. As it goes, effectively, you can you, know, you could put five hundred pounds into Football Index, and you might just go and spend four hundred and fifty pounds yeah. buying the shares, and you might be holding back. You should be getting a bit more of that money back, and you should be getting that back a bit quicker. Uh, but the that's uh, you know that that is the part of the the day to day operations of the of the administrators. They're trying to sift through that, um, and also it appears that Football Index had paid £9 million to a company called Index Labs. Now, Index Labs is still going. It appears to sort of run the software side of things. Um, And there is talk about Index Labs perhaps trying to restart Football Index under a new name, although whether they would get approval from the Gambling Commission. I think Gambling Commission would look a bit you know, a bit silly if they did that. Uh, but, yeah, that's a lot of money. Uh, and, and Index Labs is uh, is still advertising for jobs on LinkedIn, so it, it appears to be trundling along okay. And, and ultimately, remember, there are people here who are working for these companies who yeah, they've lost their jobs, and yeah, I don't want cool. anybody to lose any more jobs, you know, regardless of the situation, apart from perhaps some of the – uh, some of the wrongs uh, connected yeah. with with what's happened. Perhaps they could restart football index, but make it all one word. So ah, yeah. 
Um, administrators, Kieran, we talk a lot about them, but when when you say that uh, Football Index possibly approached administrators as early as February, there's no legal duty then for administrators to make public that information that uh, this, this company are in potential stuck. No, no, no. Uh, you know, ultimately, that is between the the company, and and there's also a case for saying that if you do say, well, we have got some financial issues, this could create a run on football ah, index, and actually, right. it could have accelerated problems. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, again, go, going back to the uh, you know the the, the 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 ancient times when I used to do this uh, for a living. Um, you would be called in to initially do some form of investigation with with the aim of being able to perhaps recommend some form of turnaround for the business. I see. So, you know, so what Begbies are doing there that they they're sort of you know going in as a, sort of a paramedics as opposed to undertakers. Oh, I see. Um, I, I, do you know what, Kieran? It, it never occurred to me that administrators also did that as well. That's interesting to know. Yeah. Um, Arsenal have borrowed money from a bank to pay back the £120 million loan it received from another bank, the Bank of England. That's right. Um, Arsenal took advantage of the uh, COVID lending facilities, which were made available by the Bank of England, and they borrowed £120 million last year. Um, and they're also able to borrow at half a percent interest, which is, uh, you know, it, it, the, the aim at the time was to provide financial support for any company which has significant employment and makes a contribution to the UK economy, um, but also has a good um, a good track record uh, in terms of having a good credit rating. So Arsenal ticked all the boxes. Um, but the Bank of England said that could only be used for working capital. It, could, it couldn't be used for infrastructure projects such as buying players, uh, extending the stadium and, and so on. Um, so um, Arsenal have recently repaid that. And it, it looks as if that they borrowed from a commercial bank. And the, the advantage, the, the plus point there would be that um, the, the bank will say, well, we don't, we don't particularly care what you do with the money as long as you, you make the repayments on the due dates. Mm. So it gives Arsenal greater flexibility. The downside um, is that uh, they will have to be borrowing at a more commercial interest rate. So, so there will be a financial cost to the club unless um, the Cronkies um, or the yeah, – it is, it is the Cronkies. I, 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 I do have this thing about mixing up the Cronkies and the Crankies, as, as you know. Yeah, I, I wouldn't do that. What what confuses me slightly about this story, Kieran, um, and I know the numbers involved are hugely, hugely different, but my accountant, Bobby Numbers, gives me lots of advice, including don't take money out of your VAT account to pay for your <laughs> to pay for your Palace season ticket. That was that was yesterday's advice. Um, I told you, my VAT is it's not due for ten days. My VAT, something will turn up. Um, that's why <laughs> that's why he's losing his hair. Um, but mainly, he's always said, "Don't get loans to pay back loans." Always, and you know, yeah. that's, he's always said that. So it, when I see this sort of thing happen, it, it confuses me slightly because well, what he says is try not to get loans in the first place, but. You know, he's paid his mortgage off. He's fine. He's an accountant. But it, it, it seems strange when you see somebody as, as big as Arsenal borrowing money to pay back money and ending up paying more money in interest. Yes, yes. I mean, I, I guess the positive from Arsenal's point of view, and remember these loans originally did have an, an expiry date of 12 months from the Bank of England, um, 
is that it does allow them greater flexibility to to choose how to spend the money as they wish, um, such as you know perhaps signing Eve Basuma from Brighton, mm. um, which which the Bank of England might have disapproved of. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm with uh, Bobby Numbers. Yeah, yeah. Ro- robbing Peter to pay Paul um, does doesn't make any sense under normal business circumstances, but uh, it could be that the Cronkies have uh, underwritten these these loans from the bank so therefore that they might be able to get them at a cheaper rate from some of the commercial banks it could be that arsenal have only borrowed a, a smaller amount of money um compared to the 120 million because it could be that the owners are actually putting money in uh through either debt or or, or a share issue that and, and as yet we, we, yeah, we're not aware of that yeah don't don't mention peter and paul i've lost track of how much peter owes paul and paul owes peter it's really what i need is i need a spreadsheet to work that out oh well um, <laughs> yeah but not not during the play kieran uh inter are close to securing a new financing deal that will hand a minority state to a u.s investment firm yes um at present, uh, Inter are owned by uh, Suning, the the Chinese conglomerate, um, who are were also the owners of uh, Jiangsu FC mm. until they, they they closed the club down a few months ago, which was a bit of a cause for concern. Um, and Suning themselves, that they have uh, a majority stake in Inter, which they acquired from an Indonesian businessman in 2016. Um, via a Luxembourg subsidiary, and this this is where I, I start to get a bit uncomfortable about things because viewing football clubs as commodities in, in and as corporate investments in the same way mm-hmm. as you might do in terms of buying shares in an industrial or a, a hotel chain or an airline uh, that doesn't sit easily with me because. It's it's at odds with, with I think both our views that, that football clubs yeah. are community assets. Yeah, um, so what we now have is a US investment vehicle called Oak Tree Capital, which appears to have lent um, the, the Inter Milan two hundred and seventy five million pounds to dig it out of the financial mess in which it finds itself. Um, now that is in the form of a loan rather than than shares, but I suspect that there will be significant penalties should the repayments not be made, in, including the, the potential conversion of those loans into equity, which could allow Oak Tree to have a, a greater stake in the club. Um, American investment companies don't invest in European football clubs for romantic reasons, in my view. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit twitchy here because Inter is a... You know, is a uh, yeah, an amazing club historically of course. Um, in your in terms yeah. of European football, and I've always loved the kit as well. Which yeah, that, that's that should always be a key influence for anybody love of football, in my view. Uh, it's also a brilliant stadium to visit. Is is there a difference, Kieran, between investing and lending money? Um, both both provide a return, um, but. Um, you you can invest in two ways. You can invest by providing what we refer to as debt capital loans. And the advantage of that is that you tend to get a guaranteed financial investment return in the form of a, of, a, of an agreed rate of interest. And the other way to invest is, is via shares, which tends to be very volatile. 
Um, you don't normally, with the exception of Manchester United, um, you don't normally get any money back each year yeah, in the form of any payout. Manchester United do pay dividends. And what you will hope for is that you'll be able to sell the shares at a, at a price higher than the amount that you paid for them. So, so those are the two investment sources, debt right. and, and equity. Okay. And more evidence, Kieran, that Fenway Sports Group aren't treating the staff at Liverpool women's team with much respect. Yeah, I, th- I think this is a... A really sad story that this yeah. this was this was a, a tweet by um, one of uh, Liverpool's players, Kirsty Linnett. Uh, she'd been at the club for three years, and it looks as if Liverpool have have retracted a potential offer for a new contract. Yes, um, but just you know, I, I, I read uh, Kirsty's sort of uh, you know, she 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 uh, cut cut a picture of sort of how she felt about things yeah. and and she she rightly said at, at a time when uh you know we are in theory and the football industry in theory is is trying to be perhaps uh, a bit more mature in its attitude towards treating people as people treating staff as as individuals and, and uh, mental health concerns um the way that this has been handled, uh, and we don't know the full details, and you know, we've seen one side of the view, mm. um, does appear to be at best sort of fairly fairly ham fisted. Um, if, if you're not going to offer somebody a contract, and as Kirsty said, yeah, that's that's football. Yeah, we, we, as football players, as professionals, we accept that. Um, there's there's a way and a means of going through things and to to make an offer then retract the offer and then say to the agent do you want to tell her or should we yeah, yeah. yeah. why can't the club just say call, call people call Kirsty to me to say this is where we stand you know for, for whatever circumstances um that you know we we decided that we we cannot offer a contract and you know we wish you all the best and if there's anything that we can do and just treat people with a bit of decency but well unfortunately i i did i did have a conversation with somebody connected to to liverpool's women's team a couple of months ago and i hadn't said anything at the time and unfortunately once again this did not reflect well on the club but mm-hmm. also on fsg's uh, mentality towards Liverpool's women's team. You know, in in 2020, uh, it was a fantastic season for the men's team. They won the Premier League deservedly, and nobody's questioned that. But the women's team were relegated yes, from the uh, WSL uh, into the equivalent of the Championship. And uh, you know, my understanding is that trying to get any financial support for the women's team out of FSG, who view Liverpool purely as a as a financial vehicle, was was like trying to get blood out of a stone, and, and it was a really tough battle for for everybody connected with the club. And you know, as anybody that's ever run, uh, you know, an amateur football team, you know, trying to get money and you know, it's it, or a rugby team or a cricket team, whatever it is, um, you know, it, it is a tough battle at times. But when you've uh, when when you've got the contrast between the the willingness of of FSG to spend money on yeah. on the facilities for the men's team and to not treat the women's team with even a you know a, a minutiae element of, of the same degree of respect doesn't reflect particularly well on them. Yeah, I'm sure Fenway Sports Group can afford far better lawyers than Kirsty can, but I would almost guarantee this will end up in a tribunal because. Fenway Sports Group, being American, may not realise that contract law in this country is very, very, very complicated and it involves far more than just a piece of paper that you offer someone to 
to sign and you've basically just by offering her a contract you've you've given her a contract essentially she's under contract technically so uh legally she's got a good or in terms of the the law she's got a very good case for taking it to a tribunal it's the fact it played out in public was so upset and the fact that she was visibly so distressed about the way she's mm. been treated and as you say Kieran they simply wouldn't treat a, a male footballer in the same way and it's 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 not good because Liverpool are one of those clubs that we all uh, and anybody with an ounce of, of respect for football history has respect and admiration for Liverpool mm. and what they've done mm. and in in the past they're a club that did things properly and that, the fact that they're not doing so is, is slightly distressing um, our final story before our brilliant interview with Andy uh, I, I'm not particularly sure this is good news, but FIFA is to look at holding the World Cup every two years, um, a decision that UEFA, I imagine, wouldn't be particularly happy about. Yes. Uh, yeah. As always with FIFA-related issues, I suspect there's more to this than meet the eye. Um, th- this appears to be a proposal from the Saudi Arabian Football Federation to have uh, the World Cup, which, as we know, takes place every four years, um, to to take have it take place on, on a biannual basis. Um, we, we've already got an expanded World Cup, uh, World Cup. Because you know, when when you and I started, it was it was what sixteen teams. Yeah, yeah we're now thirty two. It's now going up to forty. Um, but this, I think, this may be connected with. Um, some of the comments from uh, Javier Tebas, the, the head of La Liga, who had said that uh, Gianni Infantino, the head of FIFA, was in favour of Super League. And the reason why he was in favour of Super League was that the clubs in Super League would also commit, if they got approval from FIFA, um, to set up Super League, um, those clubs would be sort of quasi-committed to taking place in the FIFA Club World Cup, which, if we're honest, is a is a competition which people are fairly indifferent about. It, it course, doesn't yeah. attract a huge amount of interest. Um, now, FIFA lose money three years out of every four. Yeah. So, FIFA, you know, some people say that FIFA are jealous of UEFA because the the Champions League is a is a very uh, lucrative competition. It generates huge numbers of of eyeballs from a broadcasting point of view. The the the, the Euros themselves, which take place every four years, um, are also very popular. If you had a World Cup every two years, um, then you know, as you rightly said, where does this leave the Euros? That they would be very much squeezed. Um, where would this leave the African Cup of Nations, the, the South American Cup competitions and so on? Is this actually connected to um, trying to transfer power and control and concentration of money mm. uh, away from UEFA towards FIFA? So I suspect this has got as much to do with FIFA politics and uh, FIFA hands out money Um Every single year to its member clubs, and of course, you know, if if you are Bhutan, if you are the Cook Islands, then you know that that money is actually quite useful. You know, and the sums involved are quite significant. If you could do that on a more a more frequent basis, I'm sure those small countries would be absolutely delighted. Um, and uh, when it comes for the next re-election of the the FIFA president, uh, I'm sure that will be borne in mind by those by those countries and mm. football associations who had been beneficiaries. 
you you have a cynical turn of mind sometimes, Kieran, don't you? you I, I'm guessing as well that the biggest clubs in the world won't like it because if you've got a World Cup every two years plus the Euros, that's uh, another summer of lucrative Far Eastern tours taken out of mm. the equation as well, isn't it? And more opportunity for their players to get injured in games that don't involve the club. So, um, But as you say, it's impossible to believe that FIFA wants to do this entirely for, for football reasons. Now, um, it's interview time. And Andy Holt is a name you'll have all heard a lot on The Price of Football. He's a good guy owner of Accrington Stanley and a man who shares many of our romantic notions about football. Now, finally, we managed to track him down for a chat. Sadly, work commitments meant I wasn't available, but I needn't have worried because Kieran stepped in very nicely. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is the show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Andy, thanks very much for joining us here on, on The Price of Football. We're huge fans of you and we're huge fans of Accrington. Uh, how are you keeping? Yeah, I'm doing fine. You know, we, you know, we're doing all right as as, uh, as well as can be expected given this uh, bastard virus. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and as far as the club is concerned, you, know, you, you finished mid-table in League One. You were, you were flirting with the playoffs for a while. Um would it have made a big difference had you got into the playoffs and gone up, or would it just have been bonus money as far as you were concerned? Well, I mean, I, I thought we were good enough this, this season to go up, but uh, we, we were, obviously with a low budget, I set it at about one point three million uh, early on, and uh, uh, we, we were hit with nineteen incidents of COVID in November that wiped us out for five or six weeks. Uh, right. we, we ended up playing thirty. 31 games, I think, since from Christmas onwards. Uh, and we had injuries one after another. We had suspensions. We had uh, all the usual. And it killed our season as we as we started getting our players back towards the end of the season. Our form came back. But it's one of them things. You know, we did we did really well to finish uh, uh, 11th in top half, top half of the table. And I'm, I'm proud of that. Oh, absolutely! I, I, I saw the highlights from the Sunderland game, and it, it, it looked an absolute cracker. Uh, so, you know, to, to have to be able to, to be able to set yourself up against size clubs of that size and stature is is an incredible achievement for for a, a club with Accrington's uh, background. I mean, you've got you've had no fans in the ground for the whole of the season. Um, what what are your hopes uh, in terms of getting fans back and sort of pricing season tickets for for next year? Well, I mean, we, we it's really difficult to budget. We don't know what our budget's going to be next year. We don't know whether we're going to be allowed fans. We don't know whether we're going to be allowed away fans. Away fans contribute more than home fans on average because they don't they don't season tickets. So so everybody's paying list price, as it were. Yeah. Uh, home price, a big majority of the people are on season tickets. So, so we're really keen to get away fans 
back into the stadium as uh, as well as home fans. So if we could get them back, that'd be fantastic. The the uh, you know the big problem is you know in this area now with this Indian variant, a double Indian variant. We, you know they tell us not to leave the area and, and people not come in 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 a few few towns and uh, hotspots around northwest of England, which uh, well that'd be a killer for us. Right, right. I mean, because because you've been posting on social media, uh, sort of the the progress uh, in terms of changes at the stadium. W- would that mean potentially more away fans come in, or was it always the main focus there on the home areas? Well, it's both. We we, we you know as we come back from uh, from COVID, I'm not convinced that we'll get all our fans back immediately. You know, some some will have naturally got used to uh, you know not not. Uh, not bothering with football on Saturday, some will have got used to things like our follow, uh, and some, some, you know, won't want to take a risk given given what's going on. So it might take us a while to uh, get our crowd back to where it was before the pandemic. So, so the new facilities are designed to give us a chance of uh, earning a bit more income uh, next year to to uh, be a bit more competitive on budget. Uh, and I'm going to be great. They'll be ready by Christmas, and so they, they will. Uh, give us, you know, substantially more income if we can use them. You know, if you know, if Boris says you can't use internal spaces and you know pubs can't serve indoors and, and the like, then you know we'll have done it for nothing uh, for the period. But you know, you can't work you can't work on that basis. We we're working on the basis that fans will be back uh, and we will increase revenue and we will, you know, keep building our budget going forward. I mean, it's a bit of a sickness, COVID. I mean, we lost. Probably lost half a million this year, uh, this financial year. You know, with no match to income, uh, sponsors were down. Uh, we're having and giving them discounts, or you know, they were missing a season. We're going to catch up season after. Even even little things like writing stocks down, and we were giving all our crisps and things to uh, Monday relief. Uh, no raffles. It just it just went on. And, and losses are there. I think half a million's creditable to us. Uh, uh, and going to going into next season, you know, we have to assume that that's not going to happen again, because uh, I can't cut budget anymore. Uh, no. So, so we're assuming that there will be crowds back to a degree. Uh, we're, we're going at it positively. We're, we're continuing to build the club, uh, and, and and I think we'll be all right. I mean, we, we refunded season tickets last year to those that wanted it as well. Or, or half of it. Uh, so, you know, next year we'll have a decent budget. Uh, we'll have decent uh, decent clubhouse around Christmas or just after Christmas uh, and decent facilities. And I'm, I'm really excited about playing some big teams next year at our place. And if, if we can get it rocking and rolling again, you know, I think Capitan doesn't necessarily have to have the lowest budget in the league anymore if we, if we can get it right. Brilliant. I mean, I think you're absolutely right in terms of building up the infrastructure, because one of the things which has always sort of been my forethought is that football clubs are open for 20, you know, too many football clubs just see themselves as being open 25 to, to 30 times of the year. And I know you've always said that you don't like referring yourself to as the, as the owner of Accrington Stanley, that you're you're just one of the community, but, but it, it, it really comes across that you're trying to build up the club as, as a community club and and making it more open and accessible 
on a more regular basis. And, and of course, you know, the community benefits, but but Accrington Stanley as a football club benefits as well. Yeah, I mean, if we don't do it, I don't think there's any future for Accrington Stanley. I think uh, we've got where we are with what we've got. And to, to maintain where we are with what we've got, we've got to uh, smarten us act up. So, so, you know, there's loads of income. Well, I, I talked to some supporters that came that were on the building site uh, yesterday, and a couple of supporters came up and said, you know, how's it going to be? Can we go in the pub after the match and all this carry on? And I've said, look, there's going to be differences because uh, we have to design this place to generate cash all year round. Yeah. Supporters are there probably in the bars for a couple of hours a match, you know, maybe 25 times a year, so 50 hours a year. And you can't spend that sort of, put that sort of investment in for that amount of hours. So, so we have to kind of get the right balance between uh, making it a great match day experience, but also making it so that we can do, you know, conferences, Christmas parties and... Mother's Day things and all the rest that goes with it. So it's, uh, you know, it'd be a bit of a shock to the system for Accrington because, you know, we've not been very ordered in, in, in the past. We've not had the facilities. So so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited. I think uh, I think it's, it, well, it's a great little club and, it, it, you know, we, we're getting stronger and stronger as we go on. All right, we took us losses, but, but uh, we'd already returned profits uh, earlier. So, so I'm... I'm I'm really pleased how it's going. It will be a shock to the system for for a lot because uh, it's going to be smart. You know, I'm excited to see it finished. We've got a new training ground coming, uh, and the facilities are, are going to be, you know, they're not going to be Liverpool, or Tottenham, but they're, they're going to be best Accrington's ever been. Fantastic, uh, and, and certainly up there with a lot of similar sized clubs. That's that's superb. I mean, I saw that uh, that Rochdale's accounts came out. Uh, in, in the last 24 hours, and they are a club which are, are starting to generate, certainly pre-COVID, um, from the areas that you were referring to. And I think you've got the right blueprint there, that uh, you make Accrington Stanley the, the hub, the focus of the of the town um, on a more regular basis, and it, it's a win-win deal. Were, were, there, were there any times when you thought, we're not going to get through this over the course of the last twelve to fifteen months, and and, and are you surprised that yeah? So I remember that yeah, you know, we we had all these doomsday scenarios that we're going to lose dozens of clubs over the course of the pandemic. But with, with the exception of Macclesfield Town, and, and you know there were there were very particular issues there. Uh, it, it, it has been a, a, a survival to date, hasn't it? I think it has. There's been a lot of loans, though. I think there are quite a few loans been handed out by the EFL. As part of the Premier League deal, Premier League, uh, I think we have three hundred seventy-five thousand from the Premier League, and that was the lowest of any club in uh, in League One. Uh, the minimum you could get. So, so other clubs will have got some contribution there. The the big issues next season. Uh, you can't keep you can't keep borrowing. We didn't take any loans from the uh, EFL because it comes with all sorts of conditions and embargoes and all the rest of it goes with that. So so we we steer clear of them. Plus, you've only got to pay them back. And yep. uh, if I'm going to borrow off your fellow, I might as well borrow off myself. And that's, right. that's the way I looked at it. And uh, we, you know, we funded we funded the losses and continue to do so. Uh, all these loans come home to roost, though. If we don't get fans back and we have another year like last year, it's going to be just get more and more difficult. Because I'll be honest, who wants to sponsor a football club, or fund a football club, if you're no crowd there? Yeah, you know what? Well, yeah. What's the point of football if there's no crowd? For me, I, I don't like 
uh, going on match day, just sitting there on my own watching a football match, I might as well go on the field at the back of my house and watch a lot of kids play. Yes. You know, I, I want to see, I want the crowd, I want the atmosphere. I did it because of the people, uh, you know, how much it meant to people and how much it meant to community, uh, the community trust, the academy. I did it for that reason. I didn't do it because I wanted to own a football team that I could watch on my own on a Saturday. You know, that's not why you want a football club. No. There's no point in it. So, yeah. so if we don't get if we don't get fans back uh, this next season, all underway, you know, it's going to do significant damage. Right, right. I mean, I, I must say, yeah, as a as a fan myself, go, going back to watch a match last week, and, and it helps when you two 0 down against Manchester City and you beat them three two. But the the experience of just being in the ground and seeing some old faces was was fantastic and I think that's that's one thing that fans will be grateful for the the opportunity to to ideally come back in in August um and, and still have a, a club to support I mean do, you know we, we've, you, you mentioned Boris Johnson earlier do, do you think that the government did enough or didn't do enough in in terms of their support for the industry or ultimately you know football's just another part of the hospitality sector as far as they're concerned well I think we I think League one and League two in the mayor were trapped because of the largesse of uh, the championship and premiership. You know, they're, they're blowing money. I mean, I forget how much Premier League spent on transfers. at 1.2 billion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so as a government, you know, I'm saying fo- there's enough money in football, but, uh, you know, to call Accrington Stanley elite football, it is professional, but uh, there's elite and then there's Man United and Man City elite. You know, yeah. so, so we kind of got trapped in that. Uh, championship clubs, some of them are losing so much money deliberately. You know, the, the argument that Premier League and government have is, well, why should we give it to them if they're, if they're voluntarily losing money anyhow pre-COVID? So, yeah. so we were trapped. You know, I couldn't work voluntarily losing money. It lost money because it had no option. It had no fans. It had no uh, no income. And, and I'll cover those losses. But uh, to, it felt bad that we were trapped in that same elite bracket uh, and I, th- I think government could have done more and I think they should have done more I think Premier League should have acted earlier should have been forced to act early mm. but they got wrapped up in all this project big picture uh, carry on with uh, Rick Parry and the FA so, so they got detract- distracted from uh, the real issue which was to get cash to clubs in a timely fashion Right Yeah, yeah that's, Yeah, I mean I, the the more the more I look at Project Big Picture and the scrapping of the Carabao Cup and the, the potential creation of B teams, I, I I wondered why it it was so popular amongst EFL teams, uh, because to, to me it it looked like it was it was creating potential death knell for them. Yeah, well, well, it was, but uh, at the end of the day, they face a death knell anyhow. So, so they're, they're clutching men, they're drowning men clutching at straws. You know, you, you when you when you your company's on its arse, you'll do whatever you've got to do. And, and that's, that's usually how, how changes come in football. You know, they, they usually uh, extract a lot out of you for, for any benefit you get. So, so Project Big Picture were never going to work. It were, it were a non-starter from, from day one because 14 clubs in Premier League uh, would never have voted for that. N- not in a million years would they have voted uh, for Project Big Picture. So, so there was no point. It would have been better for us to meet up with 14 and do a deal for the rest of football with them 14. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, they carry, they carry the vote. You know, the, the, 
project big picture, just like European Super League, were dead before it started. You know, and I, I can't believe people are that naive to set off down that path, thinking that Burnley are going to vote for lower income, less teams in Premier League uh, before we go any further. Why would they do that? Why would anybody at bottom off? Why would Brighton vote to uh, have less teams at Premier League and get them nearer to and less parachute money? Yeah, never going to do it. So, so all the upside that were promised that everybody jumped on as as the saviour. You know, it was just imaginary, it was a mirage in a desert of nothingness, because it, it could never happen. Uh, we need proper distribution, we need we need a sensible financial pyramid, but not at the expense of giving two or three clubs or half a dozen clubs the majority say in all football. And at the end of the day, if they control Premier League, they control the rest of us. Exactly, exactly. I mean... At Ashton, so at Accrington, you've got this uh, these constant references that, that I, I see in the media as as the league's smallest club. Do, do you do you do you wear that as a badge of honour, or is it or is it now something which is you're getting a bit tired about by and you want to be just seen on uh, on fighting on your own on basis? Well, to me, I'm going to say this to you. You probably won't agree, but size doesn't matter. Uh, it's about no, no, no. The, the, the wife says the same. <laughs> well, it's about being best club, uh, and we, we can be best club. We can we can offer what other clubs in the area can't offer. We can offer a better experience than can be offered at uh, Premier League clubs and you know, and uh, a lot of Championship clubs. Because you know, ask me, we've got fans on our ground now that come up, not now, but we had that uh, have transferred from Man City because they just want to see three o'clock Saturday football. They don't want Monday night football. They don't want Saturday at 8 o'clock football uh, or Saturday lunchtime football. They, they want to see it at 3 o'clock. They want to go with a lad, just like I did in the original at the outset. And, and, uh, and that's what they want to do. And we, we, you know, we can win with those yeah. people, those fans, and uh, give them a great time and a great experience. And you know, we, we, we treat them well. Stewards treat them well. We're, we're a different experience. When, when I say it's a great little club, Accrington, it is a great little club. And... Uh, you know, we, we need to keep it a great little club. Size, size don't matter. We'll generate as much income as we can and put the best team we can out with that income. You know, and, and that'll be it going forward. And we'll either go up, down, or wherever, and we'll keep doing the same. And, and that, yeah, and that's why I see certainly that the fans I, I interact with on social media they they are so proud of Accrington because they they, they realise where the clubs come from and, and its its achievements. And as they say, we we have a great time. And surely you're absolutely right. Uh, you know those, yeah, and I'm I'm one of these fans of of a club in the Premier League where getting fifteenth in the season is seen as a success. And then you actually ask yourself, you know, I, I spend half I spend half the season in misery watching other club watching other games, and I end up at sometimes wanting Crystal Palace to win, which which surely should I should be ashamed about. Because uh, when they're playing Burnley or Sheffield Sheffield United, it's uh, it's a horrible feeling to be in. So uh, you know, hats off to Accrington. Um, we, we've got we've got a new club joining the EFL uh, next August in the in the in the shape of Sutton United. What, what what advice would you give to the owners? You know, you've you've been been on that route uh, from non-league to to the EFL. What what were the biggest challenges for you coming through? Well, my big advice would be to anybody is to spend within your means, however big or small a club you are. Uh, you know, the clubs that suffered most because of COVID were already spending, you know, way beyond their, mm. their 
income. So it'd be, it'd be spent within your means. I mean, it's difficult for Sutton because they've got a plastic pitch, I believe, and they've got it, they'll have yep. to change that yep. when they come into EFL, which, uh, you know, I think they should get some assistance with. I think there should be a part that helps clubs grow into uh, EFL clubs, you know, so, so that they don't have all that cost up front because, uh, you know, they're starting in debt, as it were. Uh, but, but definitely spend within your means. Spend as much as you can within your means. And when you have a good year, uh, put a bit away. And when you have a bad year, get a bit out of biscuit tin and, uh, and, and you know, sort it out. Uh, so so that be, that be my only advice. And, and the one thing I would say is that football can spend every penny that you're prepared to put at it. No matter, there isn't enough money in the world that football, football can't spend. You know, so, so you could put in... Brighton could spend double what they're spending now, and it probably wouldn't make a bit of difference to position they're in the league. Yeah, you know it, it has. Well, you can see, you can, you can see with the, you know, no matter how much the top six clubs in uh, in the Premier League generate, it's never enough. You know, it's never enough. And uh, while they, while they're making money, they've, they've driven wages up so high, they're miles higher than Europe. They're paying, they're spending miles more in transfer window. Yeah, and, and you're just looking for thinking. You guys are supposed to be businessmen. You know what are you doing? Uh, and, and we need we need regulation that's going to stop that. That's going to make people be sensible, because all you do is drive up everybody else's costs. You know, and, but that's part of the design to, yeah. to make it so that other clubs can't compete. Uh, but it, it needs stopping. People need to be sensible. It needs to be meant to be sensible, uh, because owners can come and go. But clubs clubs shouldn't be put in that position. You know, which you're saying. That we've lost only Macclesfield and, and Bury, but we've had a lot more on Brink. Yes. You look at Wigan and Bolton, and you know it just goes on. Uh, and then that that the only way they've got out of it is when they find somebody else to come in and and up continue to blow money. You know, and, and truth is that the underlying uh, business models don't work. You know, as you go down leagues. Yeah. We we. we uh, you know, as owners, we, I'm surprised as owners we can't get together. I talk to a lot of owners and, and we all talk common sense. But we, we can't seem to get together and say, look, you know, it's, we need to be sensible here. There could be another year of COVID. Anything can happen going forward. So everybody needs to be sensible. And uh, for me, that, that's one of the most disappointing things. Uh, you know, the, the salary cap uh, getting uh, scrapped thanks to... Uh, Gordon Taylor and his merry men. Mm. You know, it's, it's all right protecting footballers, but it, you know, and if it, if it puts all clubs in peril, and there's no jobs for footballers, uh, so so we need to be careful in this. You know, until we're back up and running properly, that we, that we don't collectively overspend. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you spoke about regulation, and, and we've often spoken about having uh, an independent regulator. Uh, you know, you've had a bit of a spat with Gary Neville on Twitter, which which was great fun from from an observer's point of view. How how would you feel if Gary Neville became the uh, adjudicator of English football? Well, I don't think he's the right person. That's a fact. I don't think he's the right person. Uh, you know, I think he overpays wages to get a better up to get advantage uh, in, uh, in in League Two. And I think I think that's the start of most of football's ills. You know, I, I, I think 
you know, I think, I think there, is, there needs to be some sensible regulation and it, it needs to be independent. It needs to be independent of me, independent of him, and, and uh, it needs to be somebody that can say, you know, this is how it has to run. These are the basic, this is the basic strategy for the pyramid going forward and all your plans need to work within that overriding strategy. I don't know what the strategy for football is now. I haven't got a first clue. You know, I don't, I don't know. I've asked the EFL to give us a, a five-year strategy, a business plan. Tell us what you're doing with this business so that we, on the back of that, we can do our five-year strategy. Mm. You can't get one. Nobody knows what's going on. It just goes from pillar to post every year. Uh, and an, an independent regulator. Uh, it, it's not ideal, but it's more ideal than no. having six top clubs calling the shots. Yeah, they'll, they'll just look after themselves. Clubs. Well, they do, don't they? You know, that, that's, that's how it is. But you, you wouldn't you wouldn't let them uh, you wouldn't let them make the rules. And everybody com- compares Tesco shouldn't subsidise our small shops. Well, maybe they shouldn't, but they certainly won't get to make the rules for retail. Exactly. You know, and, and, and if if you let Tesco make the rule for retail, there would be no small shops. It's as simple as that, and that's what happens. So so you know the, these these uh, these top six they need reining in, and they need to realise that they're part of a bigger thing. Which is English football, and we all have to respect it, and we all have to do our bit within a framework to make it successful. I think it's best EFL's best competition in the world. And I, I don't necessarily think that it's. I, I didn't rate it under Sean Harvey, but I don't necessarily think it's that bad now. Uh, I don't like uh, Rick Parry going off doing Project Big Picture on his own, uh, and then coming in like some. White night at end of it when it all all goes tits up with uh, FA running away and you know because we're never going to work anyhow. Uh, but but I, I think we're in a better place than we were a few years ago. So frustrating though because a lot of uh, when you try to do anything there's there's you know you can't do it because of PFA you can't do it because of FA and they won't like this and they and there's also a reason why you can't do anything in football. You know it's it's. Uh, it's stitched up with football people. You know, you can't even change your non-executives. You can't have more non-executives on board uh, uh, instead of club directors. Mm. And all the things that you do in, in normal business, you can't do. They won't allow it. So, I'm, I'm, you know, what I can do is build a great little club in Accrington, and uh, that's what I'm going to do, and uh, the rest can please yourself. Yeah, well, I mean, certainly the, the 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 perception of of all fans that I speak to is that Accrington is this uh, is is a beacon uh, in terms of it's a club that everybody admires, and, and you've got that from from you know fans of of big and small clubs, Andy. So it, it is a credit to what you've done. I mean, you've spoken about non executive directors, and and, you know, and I read the Jonathan Taylor QC report last year and its main recommendations about non-execs and that does appear to be a sort of a bit of a conflict in football and we're recording this on on a Tuesday uh Tuesday the 25th and and tomorrow uh we've got the the vote of no confidence in uh in, in the board of the National League Did, are you amazed that we we've ended up in this situation where where clubs appear to have lost faith in the people who are supposedly running the game on their behalf uh, no I'm not no, I'm not. I'll be honest. I don't. I don't like the formation of the board. I don't like other clubs' directors being on on the 
on the EFL board because uh, I think there's a conflict of interest, mm. and I, I want our divisional representatives to you know represent my club or our club, which is Accrington, as well as they represent their own. Uh, and apart from that, they've got advance notice of uh, of issues. So, so you know, I. Steve Kerwood, that's uh, an EFL director and works at Fleetwood, knows weeks before we anybody else does what's coming, and and it's an advantage. Uh, it's got to be an advantage to know what's coming. Uh, and I, I, you know, as as a board, if we were a board member of uh, of Accrington Stanley and didn't tell me what was going on, I'd sack him. Yeah, he has a duty to Accrington Stanley. So so there's conflicts all over. Uh, I think it should be somebody in. I think the board. Reps should be independent. I think they should go around every club. I think they should canvas opinion, talk to every owner, uh, and be independent and, and even-handed. You know, you 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 don't get that when you've got six clubs running Premier League. You don't get that when you've got uh, board members on National League, club board members, and and on the EFL. I don't think you get full independence, and I don't think everybody's view is properly heard. Fair enough. Fair enough. Andy. What one one final question? You're, you're carrying on working on the stadium. Um, a digger comes up, and there's there's a little lamp, and a genie comes out of it, and the genie says, "Andy Holt, I'm going to grant you three football wishes. What would those wishes be?" Uh, somebody with an oil well comes and buys a club <laughs> uh, that can do a better job than me, that can really take the club forward. I'm not saying that I can't, but it's a lot slower and more careful if I do it. Uh, so, so you know, I, w- I want the club to last a long time into the future. Uh, so, so that'd be first. Uh, well, probably my first wish. The first wish would be that uh, the brains that, that are allegedly running football could come together and make a pyramid that worked. Uh, clubs could uh, go up and down it uh, as they do. In life, you know, you can't always be winning. Clubs get promoted and relegated, uh, but they can go up and down it without financial distress, uh, or causing financial distress to other clubs by employing para- uh, parachutes and whatever. So, so I, I hope that they could do that, and I think it could be done if they were of a mind to do it. Probably refuses to, but I think it could. So that that would be my first wish. Second wish would be that, uh, you know, I. When I'm done at Accrington and I'm, you know, I, I had planned to be out at 60. It's unlikely I'm going to be out at 60 as things stand because we, we've had an interruption in the plan. Uh, but, but then we have another owner that comes along that can do a good job and does it right. Owners aren't there forever. Uh, there'll come a time when fans are sick of me. Uh, and when they start singing Alti out, Alti's going out. Uh, <laughs> and and I, don't, I don't we can make it so that uh, it transfers well. And, and finally, I, I just hope that uh, we can recreate what what we had before COVID. You know, a fabulous atmosphere, fantastic uh, fans, and a great club. And, and I, I just hope we can get that. Be my final wish that we can get back to where we were. We can build from where we were. Now, I hope we haven't, you know, gone back too far when uh, when things reopen. Absolutely. So, so they'd be my three wishes. Fantastic. Uh, so, so one of them I can do a bit about, but uh, I can't do anything about COVID. I can't do anything about the pyramid. But we're, we're going to work to make it a continue to make it a, a fantastic little club, and that's my that's my uh, real ambition. 
And if, if I achieve that, then, uh, you know, I can, I can go and have a pint and say, oh, well, that's our job done. Superb, superb. Well, we, uh, when, when, when producer guy sorts out our pub and club tour, uh, Kevin and I will definitely be coming up to Accrington. Um, and uh, I'd, I'd just like to say thank you for, for everything you do for football because yeah, the, the job I do, I come across so many wrong-uns and people that depress me. And, and it's, 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 it is, it is, you know, and I'm not blowing smoke up your ass, Andy. It's people like you that, that keep my faith in football and you do that for lots of other people as well. So I'd just like to say you're doing an absolutely fantastic job. Well, from, from my point of view, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. But I said to you uh, a few years ago, and I think it is, uh, you shining a light on a lot of these issues is the first ingredient to improving things. It's the first ingredient is uh, transparency, and you you were doing that. Okay, you might uh, upset a few people along the way, but uh, bravo, it's it's appreciated. If we're going to get it right, we'll we'll do it by uh, letting people know what the issues are. So so it's fantastic. Well, thanks and very I appreciate much. your time. Well, thank you, Andy, and uh, all our best to everybody at Accrington. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing you in front of as full a stadium as possible in August. So stay safe and let's let's get rid of these bloody horrible variants, uh, you know, which are in, in impacting things at present. But uh, fingers crossed for the summer and, and a return to football. Take it easy, Kieran. Look after yourself and speak soon. Actually, I am worried now, Kieran. That was that was very good. <laughs> if you ever learn to ask yourself questions, I'm going to be out of a job. Um, uh, he's great, Andy. I would love to meet him, but I'm mean, safe to say there are a couple of Christmas parties he won't be getting invited to. <laughs> yes, <laughs> he um, he speaks his mind. But I mean, what he had to say about the EFL. I mean, this is a man right in the middle of it, so he's his his views are far more interesting and valid about the EFL than anything we can ever philosophize about aren't they yes yes uh and i think the issues that he raised of conflict of interest mm. and lack of independence in terms of who sits on the board um are not dissimilar to what we've seen in in you know in our national league conversation mm. and uh could could also be be linked to you know why did super league take place because it it was there wasn't the critical friend. There, there wasn't that degree of uh, independence coming from people being able to attend board meetings who say, actually, guys, this is all about money. How do you think this is going to go down with football fans? So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Andy. I've, I've met him on a couple of occasions. Mm. He, he, First of all, he is great company. Uh, and certainly when we do the, the pub and club tour, of the price of football, uh, Accrington is is one of the places uh, we'd love to visit. Uh, especially as he was saying that you know, they are making a lot of progress in in terms of increasing the facilities because he wants Accrington Stanley to be available for people to be able to go to on a on you know more than twenty three times a year in in terms of home matches. Quite right too, and I like the fact as well that he he won't let Gary Neville go, which is why you are, which is why you asked the question. Good job, well done, Kieran. <laughs> That's all for this week, except to say that if you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to the always free to uh, to air pod, then please go to patreon.com forward slash price of football. And if you have any questions you'd like answered about any aspects of football finance, then we do that on a Monday. So email us on questions at priceoffootball.com, and I shall hand you over to Mister Kieran Maguire 
to say farewell. And I'm very excited to say that I shall be seeing Kieran before we do the next pods. And I'm looking forward to that very much, mate. That is, yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely made up. And, and thank you so much for the invite. Um, if you if you enjoy the show, folks, uh, thank you very much for the kind words. If you could press that big purple uh uh, button on Apple Podcasts and, and give us a review, give us five stars. Uh, it, it makes a difference in ways which we cannot explain, myself and Kevin, because we're not very good at explaining things when it comes to uh, internet technology. But producer guy says it, it helps us in the charts and it helps us uh, to, to book guests because you know they tend to look at uh, where where, where uh, podcasts are are in the charts. Um, and you know, we we we, we do uh, for for a niche area. We we do actually okay for ourselves. Apart from that, look after yourselves, look after your loved ones, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye, everybody. Bye. Sun for the